A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realise that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode of Inside Fashion is brought to you in partnership with PayPal, the most trusted buy now, pay later brand, according to a recent survey, which gives merchants access to PayPal's 403 million users worldwide. Learn more at paypal.com slash paylaterenterprise. I think it was important for me to do this documentary and to as well show to people that there is one side of fashion that you see, but behind any fashion, there is a human being that has his own struggles. What I wanted to do during this decade is to make sure that there was awareness of the brand. So my first step was to create a strong community of people listening to the name of Barman. I had been what they call rebel or controversial, but I never been really controversial. I was just the one that wanted to integrate pop culture in my fashion. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. Welcome to the BOF podcast. It's Friday, August 20th. Olivier Roustang was named Balmain's creative director 10 years ago, when he was still only in his mid-twenties. But Roustang, who was adopted as a child and grew up believing he was of mixed-race parentage, says he always felt like he was performing a role to fit in amongst the French fashion elite. Recently, he decided to try and find his birth parents to give him a greater understanding of his identity and allowed a documentary crew to film the process. The resulting film, Wonder Boy, came out last year and arrived on Netflix in June. In the process, Roosteng discovered his Somalian and Ethiopian heritage, and the experience has made him want to be more open about his identity. This week on the BOF podcast, BOF's editor-at-large, Tim Blanks, speaks with Olivier about connecting with his personal history, the power of community, and why timelessness is vital 
in fashion today. Here's Olivier Roustain, Inside Fashion. So, uh, Wonder Boy, um, how did that happen? And uh, why did you want to do it? Why did you want to have your search for your birth parents filmed in that way? You know, I think, Tim, you know me for so many years, but uh, it's been a decade at Bama. But there is one part of me that I never really, um, I didn't express. Uh, it was about my childhood, about the orphanage that I come from. And there's always a lack in me of trying to understand where I come from. So this research, this search was so important for me at a, at a certain age to actually show that, you know, I need to know my origins. I need to know where I come from. Above all, with all the topics that I'm fighting every day in fashion for, you know, I think it was important for me to, to do this documentary and to as well show to people that there is one side of fashion that you see, but behind any fashion, there is a human being that has his own struggles. And it was important for me to, to show that and to, to deliver the message maybe of hope for many other generations. Now, why did you decide now was the right time to do this? Um, you know, I think I decide that as well because, you know, sometimes in fashion you play a character, you know, you try to pretend, you know, and I think I, think I realized that maybe, you know, I get a bit more mature uh, after almost like when, I, when I, we started to shoot this documentary was eight years at Bama. And uh, I think I feel like more a grown-up person that I could be proud of who I am and and proud of my uh, of of just trying to to show, you know, that was a moment of my life where I didn't play anymore a character of just being, you know, a fashion designer for a really prestigious and glamour glamour house, but as well put some uh, truth as well as the human being that was really struggling about himself and and again because I have such a great uh, following on many other, many platforms like social media, I wanted to give them as well the authenticity of the persona that they follow. And, you know, thinking now you knew the designer for many years, now you're gonna know the human being behind that. And and how surprised were you? Because I know that in, in your mind, you'd always imagined maybe you were from the French Caribbean or or, you know, there were other places. And then to find out that actually your birth parents are from Ethiopia and Somalia, um, that that I wonder what what if you had to adjust to that reality or or what what actually happened when you found out for 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 sure. Oh, I'm so proud, and I was so proud. The only thing that you know, it's been. I think sometimes people don't get doesn't get the research of 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 why people is looking for you know their origins when when you know already your origins, you don't understand that you can have a lack of of. Uh, of understanding where you come from when you know already where you come from. But me, that didn't, didn't know, I needed it so much. And I was so proud when, so proud when I discovered like, that my dad was Ethiopian and my mom Somalian. The only thing that was really like tough for me is that I realized the age that she was. I think I was going to the orphanage trying to get some answers. And, and when I got the answer of the age of my mother, I was expecting to see you know, the writing and the words of a mom, but actually it was just a child she was 14 years old so I think I think it was tough for me because um, I was so proud to get an answer but it was so tough and as well you will discover maybe in the way that she gave birth and everything and you kind of you know it's kind of some answers that that feel tough as a human being 
to here. But uh, at least I discover where I come from. I'm, I'm really, really proud of it. But I, I think to do it in that way, um, uh, on the one hand, it's quite brave. On, 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 on the other, I mean, to be ready for, brave to be ready for whatever comes your way. You know, you did not know what you were going to find out. No, because this documentary, to be, to be clear, like not, not many designers have the chance to have a do documentary on their life, you know. And, and I have to say that when the realizatrice, the, late, the girl, the producer came and said, you know, like we want to film your life, your own story, whatever it's Barman today and, many se and several seasons that we're going to follow you for fashion show. There is a reality as well, which is your birth and where you come from and all the answers and questions, you know. And of course, we studied a documentary without knowing the end of a documentary. And I, I kept saying at the beginning, but you know, usually like when, when, when you have a documentary or you designer, it's all your dad or it's the end of your career, you know? And it feels so weird when you, you're in, not, not the beginning of my career, but let's say it's not the end either, I hope. And so at the end, it was pretty difficult because I knew that every second of this documentary would, don't, would not be controlled, you know? And so whatever answers I will get, whatever cry you will see, whatever, scream you will see, you know, it, it was all like, you know, at the moment, at the time, you know, so. I mean, the, the idea of the Wonder Boy, obviously there's the notion of you being really young in your job. Yeah. So you're a Wonder Boy in that way. And then there's the other thing, the boy who's been wondering, you know, all these years. So um, I just, I, I, I wonder what, what, what has changed for you knowing this? Because I see you sitting there in a beret looking very serious. And your last collection, which we'll talk about, the resort collection for Balmain, had a very different feel to it as well, I thought. And I'm just wondering if you could tell me how you feel you've changed um, with, this, with this information. I think, <clears throat> I think the biggest change of my life is that I always had to fight in my career, but not only even in my childhood, to show that I was French, you know. And this is something that I always been really, really pushing because a lot of there are a lot of mentalities and above all in fashion where you know there is kind of tradition to follow uh you know many many i would say cliche you know and i think I, i'm the new france and i think my last collection was definitely a melting pot of of different cultures that were together my french slash parisian values that i got from my education with my parents my adoptive parents but as well all my research and knowing that was I come from like Africa, you know, I'm an African slash French designer, made me feel so proud to say, you know, this is as well the new Paris, the new France. And my Bauman last collection is definitely the melting pot of all what I have in mind. And again, what I love about this collection is that the mix between a brand that is part of uh, French values since 1945, built by Monsieur Pierre Bauman with incredible French, sometimes traditional values, and as well me being the witness of my time, a witness of a generation and saying this is the, the duality of those two worlds that meet each other and makes my last collection and what is Bauman today. It felt to me like the storytelling had changed a little bit. You know, I know, I know that uh, people who wrote about the collection made the observation that that sort of party pizzazz that, that you brought to Bauman was, was so much it wasn't really in this collection. It was much more the sense of, I, I thought thoughtfulness and there was a, uh, 
there was a narrative richness that felt quite new. Yeah. I think this collection is softer, I would say. There is something about this collection where I've always been a guy that fights so much to push my, my topics and everything that matters. But I think now it's not anymore a fight. It's more, you know, like, uh, or it could be a softer fight. I think I get more confident with myself knowing where I come from, trying to pretend less. As you mentioned, you know, this may sometimes glamour extravaganza that I'm known for. Um, it's kind of like calm down because there is a reality about being myself more peaceful, you know, with myself, more quiet. And, and I feel relieved, you know, I feel lighter in a way, like feeling free. And I think this is what you see in my last, in my last collection. There is a sense of freedom of, of being who I am and not trying to pretend. So could you, could you say that there's a real you? And, and that you're getting close to a real you now and all those years where you were this fabulous extravagant creature was, was actually, when, you, when you're talking about, you know, the, the performance a little, I mean, fashion is a kind of performance anyway, but um, to be, that was kind of you as, as more of a performer than a, than a human being, do you think? That's a really tricky, not a tricky idea. You know what, Tim? I think it's always me. Whatever collection I have done has been always, I've been always me. But you know, as you mentioned at the beginning, I started my, my career at 24 slash 25 at Bauman. And as every normal human being, you've grown up, you know, and what you needed years ago, you don't need. And what you didn't need years ago, mm. you need today. So mm. obviously, like, I've grown up with Bauman, you know, and I have to say that I was the Bauman baby, and now Bauman is my baby in a way. So I think that kind of switch happened, you know, on this decade of Bama. And I think this is the beauty of any designers. You have seen so many different designers around you and you have seen that they evolved. But again, it, it was an evolution. It was not a revolution because the first show that I have done till my last one, I always been me, just being different. And it doesn't mean that whatever the extravaganza and the glamour that you have seen, it was not me, but it was just another side of me. And, and today I'm showing another side even when with my documentary, with my collection, they, I would say a softer side of me, but whatever collection I have done, well, me. I'm, um, the fact that you, you took the Bauman Labyrinth print from the archive, yeah. uh, which is, a, it's about 50 years old, isn't it, that print? And it, that felt very significant to me that, that, you know, you were ready to own that and mm. that's why you could do it so, authoritatively in the collection, you could take something that was very, very classic Bauman. As you said, Bauman is now your baby. You're not Bauman's baby. So um, I wondered if that was the case when you, when you did that, that you felt, you felt you owned Bauman now. You know what I felt? And I'm going to tell you the real fight that I had since day one to make sure that Bauman had an aware awareness all around the world. And it was not an easy thing because 10 years ago, Many people didn't know the name of Bauman. And I think my, my decade at Bauman has been making, trying to make sure that as much as I could be, as could, I could do, making Bauman timeless. My first show, you know, I was really worried that it might be just a firework, you know, and I can do one, two, three, four seasons. And after we forget my name, we forget the name of Bauman. And that was obviously something that can happen and happens often in fashion. But what I wanted to do during this decade is to make sure that there was awareness of the brand. So my first step was 
to create a strong community of people listening to the name of Barman. And thanks to all my celebrities friends, thanks to social media, my Instagram, like the pop culture, I kind of integrate Barman into a pop culture and making sure that whatever age you are, that you're 10 years old, 15 years old, or 50 years old, you will know the name of Barman. And that was something that was a huge challenge that I made. But now that I think I made it happen and there is an awareness in the, to the pop culture, I want to make sure that all my community of people, all, the, all my followers and, every, and all my clients know that they don't buy Barman only because it's part of me being witness of my time, but just let them know for who didn't, didn't know that Barman is a brand from 1945 uh, with a, such a strong heritage. Barman had a monogram, Barman had couture, Barman is such a great um, brand for tailoring, house for tailoring, uh, can do as a great, great, great craftsmanship. And so, and as well, you know, had a great story about accessories. So I think, you know, I think it's, it takes time, but I, I'm someone really impatient, as you can imagine, but I know when it's time to bring back something. And as well, the COVID and the pandemic, I have to say, um, kind of try to, I, I, I try to reconcentrate what matters tomorrow. And me as a, as, as a designer, but as well as a client, when I, I love buying whatever fashion or art, what I want to buy now is what feels timeless. I think what is trendy is not cool anymore. You want to buy values. You want to buy timeless. You want to you feel that what you get is something that will stay in time. And so that's why for these two reasons, first, awareness of the brand and making sure after that, that they know that Bauman, it's in from 1945. Second topic, COVID pandemic, what you want to buy next, something that you feel will be forever. Now, I know, I know how uh, wired into your audience you are. You have the Bauman army um, and you're very, you feel very responsible for them. But assuming that you listen to them, what, what, what is your sense of what you talk, you're talking about how important timelessness is, is in your life right after you've had a, this extraordinary kind of brush with time um, in, the, you know, in this quest of yours? Yeah. What, what, what are people telling you they're looking for? And, and how, are you, how do you think you're reflecting, reflecting that? I think what people are looking for, it's buying not only clothes, but a universe. And I think more and more important tomorrow, house, brands, fashion, it will be relevant the moment that fashion take a side and not only sell clothes for clothes, but have a strong vision of what is the world today and express it. The age of our customer are really young, but we have as well older customers. And I think what is the beauty of our mind is that stretch. But what they all love to buy at Barman is not only the clothes, but belonging to a community. And I think that's what we learned as well during this pandemic. Houses that actually took a side, like decided to be loud about what they think and what they believe in are the houses that have strong message that will be relevant tomorrow. And my customers, I know that when they wear whatever Bauman logo t-shirt to an embroidered dress that can be 40K to the Bauman t-shirt that can be 300 euros, at the end of the day, they buy a universe and they are proud to be part of Bauman. But why? They are proud because Bama always been, I would say, a leader in a sense that they we always made sure, no matter what, and sometimes going against fashion when fashion was really close-minded and not at all about inclusivity. That Bama always been about inclusivity, about talking about topics that maybe fashion didn't want to talk about, casting that were different at the time than we started casting, diversity, making sure that we were actually giving to the world 
the reality of our world and not pretending that fashion was just a little bubble that didn't understand what was going on in the world. So you've always had the sense of responsibility in your work then, that as much as it was fun and glamorous, there was always this sort of spine of, of, of responsibility and, and maybe in a way even activism. Yeah, I think, I think it's definitely like, there's always a sense of activism. I think, I think it's, it's sad when we, when we say this word of activism because it means that we need to go against something. And I have to say that um, I think we should all be activists, you know, in fashion, in the sense that we should all fight for the topic that matters and not trying to hide and close our eyes about a society that is suffering and topics that sometimes fashion didn't want to mention. And I have to say that I had really been what they call rebel or controversial, but I never been really controversial. I was just the one that wanted to integrate pop culture in my fashion. I was the one to say, can we change our front rows? Because one, the front row is not about one color, one is not about one skin color. You know, I think all of that together, I've, you know, it was my fight from, from day one. And, and I have to say that those fights today, people start to hear me. But 10 years ago, many people, you know, turn their back and just say, we don't want to hear that. So I think that's where fashion um, to me has been sometimes a platform to fight. Today, I don't think it is because I can see that there is so much more inclusivity in fashion and, and this is making me happy. It took too long, but again, because I'm a, I'm a designer maybe from another generation at the time, because there were not so many designers in France at 24 years old. So I was touched by the society of what was happening around the world, where maybe sometimes fashion were just like, he's so young, you know? Why mm -hmm. yeah. talk about it? It's sort of patronizing, yeah. And above all in France, I would say, because weakness is all, in French, love the sense of like when you're young you just need to learn it's almost yes. weakness where in uk and america it's a, it's a bit different because youth is a, it's you know synonymous of strength where france it's always like oh you will learn you will learn <laughs> but if you did you do you feel you had a sense of urgency though being being so young and 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 having these things that you believed in and wanting to change things did you feel did you feel the sense of urgency driving you on because the collections always had that real kind of pulse of, of like, you know, va va voom, you know? I think, you know, the va va voom thing that you mentioned, it's about Paris because Paris is the city of lights. You know, you can see Paris as super minimal, like uh, I would say, I would say, you know, like uh, Pompidou, which is not minimal, but let's say like a architecture that is really modern, but Paris is as well Versailles, you know? Mm. And, and I think, you know, it's always, again, the way that you want to see Paris. My Paris that I love was like maybe the era of the 80s, the bandouche, the incredible designer meeting each other, you know, like the glamour of like a party and the glamour of not party for just having fun, but party to just, you know, seeing the beauty and like seeing like, you know, there was a strength and sometimes the dresses were more armor than actually just for party. And I think Barma has never been a fun brand. Balmain, to me, has always been a brand that was spreading glamour. And of course, you might see those dresses in a party, but usually when you take those dresses, there's so much craftsmanship that is not an easy, easy dress. And I think, and I think this is my way of seeing Paris, of course. You know, the glamour of Paris is my own way. But again, there is a balance between, you know, the Eiffel Tower, Versailles, Pompidou, the obelisk in the, in the, in the Concorde. This is Paris, the melting pot and the beauty of different kind of architecture. Let's not just 
make Paris just one side of it, you know? Do you feel with what you've just found out about yourself that your sense of responsibility is sharpened? Yeah, I feel so. You know, like the amount of followers that you have like on social media, I mean, you know, I just like have more than six millions of people that following me and having on Netflix my, my documentary in more than 200, 170 countries with 30 subtitles. Of course, it's, I don't think, I wouldn't say it's a mission, but it's definitely a responsibility to make sure that the word, the message that you're going to spread is something that will help people. So this is my, this is my responsibility to make sure that I can deliver a really beautiful and strong message to change maybe mentalities, to maybe not change them, but making a reflection. And, and of course, you know, I, you know, like last year, for example, I did a little show, I would say a couture show on the peniche on the boat to celebrate 75 years of Bama. And I think 75 years ago, you would never imagine a designer like me being the head of a French luxury house. Mm -hmm. So at least, you know, there's changes. And I hope that in the next 10 years, people would look at my show or at least the, the persona that I am and say, you know what, we had an example. Me, when I was younger, I didn't have this example of a black designer in fashion industry. And, you know, and I was, I had example of what feels really French, you know, um, but today I think I'm trying to break those codes and say, you know, you can be French the way that you look, you know, it's not about like how many families generation are born in, uh, in Paris or whatever, you know, I think this is the message I'm delivering to people. And when I do little conferences in school, you know, when I meet students and everything, they, they all tell me, you know what, you're an inspiration. And, and I think this is what is, that may be when you mentioned my mission, this is my mission to give some hope and breaking boundaries. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. 
Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts, and not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. I I would imagine that not everybody's heard of you. So they're going to watch this documentary without really knowing who who it is that they're looking at. What do you think they'll, what do you think they'll think when, when, what, what is the impression you think you'll leave with them? Um, I think it's an interesting way of actually discovering not only me, but the house. Because in a weird way, I think, you know, you usually you discover the house from photo shoots, from magazines, you know, from social media. But I think, you know, they will, they will listen to the name of Bauman in such a different kind of context. I think it will bring, so, uh, it will bring a lot of depth to the house, not only because it's, it's obviously not a commercial move, but it's as well showing that behind, behind the clothes, behind the the seasons after season, there is human being. There's an incredible team that I have that is almost like my family. There is this, this, pers- this character, like this, you know, this human being that is behind, that is struggling about where it comes from. And I think it's gonna bring some depth as well to fashion where sometimes a lot yeah, of people from, yeah. from, from, you know, Netflix might think, oh, this is fashion category. It's so superficial. I don't wanna see yeah. it. No, I don't think fashion is superficial. Again, because if you have a strong message behind it, like whatever, this is my message, but so many other designers have really strong message to talk about. I think they will start to see fashion in such a different way. It's true. I, I mean, fashion is an industry that is pretty dogged by preconceptions. People, so many people have a very fixed idea about uh, of what fashion is. And I, I always wondered about that. You're a designer with a very distinct signature. And I wondered, I wondered with your signature if if it was ever frustrating for you, you know, that that you you reached a point. I mean, I am I am talking about this new collection as well here. You reached a point where you wanted to defy what people what people thought they knew about you. No, I think it's the is the you know, Tim, I think we all defy preconceptions. You as well as a journalist, you know, as a writer. I think the beauty of... Thank you, that's, our, nice. that's nice. No, it's true. I mean, all what you write is defying and, and challenging people to make understand your vision. And I love your honesty about your work because no matter, I would say no matter point of view you have, you make sure that it's, it's close to really what you think. You're going to write exactly what you have in mind. And the same way that I'm creating my collection, no matter the critics, you know, no matter what people will say, oh, Tim, you have to cri- you criticize this show, but you shouldn't. 
You know, it's the same way that when I, I do a collection and they're like, oh, you have done that kind of collection, but you know, that is a minimal moment and you're doing maximal. I mean, the reality is that just stick to who you are and just feel free to be who you want to be. And of course, preconception is <clears throat> surrounded me, not only with fashion, surrounded me forever. When yeah, I wanted yeah. to be a lawyer, you know, in a fashion school, I had so many preconceptions about, oh, really, where are you coming from? Do you really think you can be a lawyer? Or yeah, now you're a designer, but I mean, come on, chill. And let's make sure that you're going to follow the rules. And me, I say, no, I'm not going to follow those rules. I'm going to create my own. If you like it, it's fine. If you don't, it's okay. When I was young, I was crying because of this preconception. Today, I love understanding who has preconception to actually try to defy them. If I can, it's great. If I can't, I leave, you know? Did you encounter a lot of prejudice throughout your life? Yeah, but I thank all this prejudice because I think that makes you strong. Of course, there yeah. is a limit. It made you a fighter. But yeah, I mean, I obviously, I want to fight against this prejudice, you know? Like even, you know, like I'm going to tell you another story. Like when you say to your parents, few years, like let's say maybe like 15 years ago when I tell to my parents, I told to my parents, I'm gay, you know? Of course, there is prejudice and there is preconception of what is the gay world. So thank like people like, whoever me or whoever so many other people that can fight against those preconceptions to make sure that in 10 years, when a young guy will say, you know, I'm gay, maybe making sure that we had people like us in fashion to say, you know what, like, let's break with this preconception. The same way with Black Lives Matter, you know, so many people had so many really bad preconceptions. And today we are fighting to make sure that those preconceptions are over. You know, so I think at the end of the day, yes, maybe on your, again, you're right, I'm on a mission. But again, I, I think those preconceptions can only help us to fight against it and making sure that we can just create a better future. And, and for that, we just need to keep fighting. Now, you're celebrating 10 years um, at Balmain. You started at 24, 25. Now you turned 36 in September. It's still so young. It's incredible. Um, it feels, it, feels, it feels now that it's interesting when you follow a career that started so young, you can see the maturing happening, you know? But how do you feel, aside from what you've learned while you were making Wonder Boy, what are the other changes that you can feel that have, that have happened to you? Um, I mean, I like the thought that love endures, you know, love lasts. Um, uh, you, you mentioned the beginning where you were doing the first few shows where, uh, you know, you had to impress on people that this urgency and this um, and kind of impress on them that you weren't just this kid. But um, in the light of of everything that's happened in the last little while, you know, people have really been reassessing what the what the future holds for them um, after the pandemic. What what do you reckon your job needs to do now? My job needs to be more aware of what the world is waiting from you than just a few people in your, in your room doing your fashion show. What I'm saying by that is that I think what happened during this pandemic is that it has been a difference of power. Let's be honest, let's be clear. The power belonged to such a small crowd of fashion that were living in a bubble and kind of like, again, close their eyes of what was happening in the world. 
And today, I think with the pandemic, we realize that when you cannot do a fashion show and you cannot maybe have access to that kind of small elite, you know, that small privilege of people that's going to be in your room, you're going to have to talk behind your screen and making sure that people that's going to watch you from a screen, whatever, they will get your message. And you understand that before you were talking to 600 people in your room, now you talk mm-hmm. to 10 millions watching your screen. Mm. So I think your way of thinking start to become different because you're just like, what does really matter? What does really matter? What is your message? And this is something that is, has to be more relevant and current to what we are going on, what, what the world is going on and going through. Um, I think the pandemic didn't, didn't make a revolution in fashion. They just accelerated problems that already were existing, you know? So I think, I think that's, this, I wouldn't say the beauty, but that kind of like year of reflection <laughs> made sure that designers will react in a different way to their audience, uh, bringing topics that are really relevant for the world and not only for a few people in your room that doesn't care, don't care about what's going on in the world. So um, I think fashion is going to just be more pop. And pop, let's be clear, there's nothing vulgar or not chic, you know. Again, as well, chic has changed meaning during this year as well, I have to say. Chic, cool, modern, you know, all those kind of three words that fashion loves to use. That actually has changed. But um, I think the fact that now fashion is more pop means that it's going to be more popular and it's going to be part of a, a pop culture where it's about population. And I think this is the beauty of our new chapter in fashion. Covers of magazines going to change. You know, topics going to change. What is modern is going to change. Okay, how? Because how is, what, how is, how is, because there are those words, you're absolutely right that people just toss them out and they actually have a meaning, but people never think about what the meaning of those words is. So what, how do you think modern has changed? Uh, the idea of modern has changed over the last year. Um, because I think people's not gonna just be stuck with a neoprene fabric and just say, oh, that was so modern, this collection. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know, modern is gonna take another kind of meaning. How is your casting? What is your vision behind it? how is inclusive and not exclusive and rejecting every, everything. Think, I think what is chic? You know, we have a really strong struggle in France about what is chic, you know, because chic is not just a Brigitte Bardot cliche from the 60s slash 70s with Vichy, you know. I think chic, chic is not just like listening to Serge Gainsbourg and just feeling like, oh my God, you wear a double-breasted navy jacket and this is just chic, you know, and how you look. Because, of course, all those French cliches exist already. But I think today you cannot just say, oh, this was chic. And when you put on another kind of character, you know, oh, this is not chic. No, this is a new chic. Maybe it's not the chic that belongs like 20 years ago to the fashion crowd. But it's definitely the chic of the future. The same way that what is modern. Like, you cannot just say that it's modern because you throw a pair of sneakers on, you know. No, this is not modern. This is just today. So what is modern? This is going to be a real question. And I, sometimes I've seen fashion shows where people were like fashion, were like, oh my God, it's so modern when there was like no casting, interesting, no diversity, nothing. And like fashion was not even seeing the lack of diversity. How can you say this is the modern world when it's just about exclusivity? 
So I think all those topics are changing. Yeah, I think that all uh, the, the, there was a sort of superficial, those words were, uh, uh, were used in a very superficial way. And I think that what, what is happening now, I hope it's happening. I mean, maybe it's not happening. Maybe it isn't happening the way I thought it would happen. Uh, when you said that there was no revolution because of, of COVID. And, you know, at the beginning, people were actually worse saying, this is what's going to happen. This is going to be the change we've, we've been looking for. And now you do see a lot of things going back to the way they were. It's more about a state of mind now, you know. And it, it, in other words, it's kind of deeper. And this is what I would hope that... Um, that when you use a word like modern, it's actually more of a challenge than a compliment in a way, because you want, you know, you want to make people think. And if we're not, if, if the last year hasn't made us think, my God, we're doomed. Tim, it's totally true. I think, I think I'm a bit disappointed sometimes about like how many talks we had, like, a year and a half ago when we were all like, okay, fashion needs to change. And now with the pandemic, how are we gonna do fashion shows? What's gonna be the experience? How we can entertain people? What's gonna be the topic of the future? And you can see in a weird way, fashion is still in this little bubble of comfort zone. And we go back to sometimes same thing over and over again. And we don't try to maybe sometimes challenge ourselves. And myself first, you know, like I have to say, sometimes I dream so much bigger than what I can do. Um, but I feel, you know, it's going to take time, but again, if fashion is not changing, fashion will not survive. And we see so many magazines now more and more not happening. We see many, many, we, we're going to see less journalists, less stylists coming to fashion shows for the reason that we know. And I think this is going to be a really tough moment for fashion, but if we make it relevant, and again, you say something really important bring some depth into those words. And I think the moment that we bring some depth and the moment that you journalists will be more free to say really what you think for everybody, no matter what is the house, you know, and you will feel free to be who you are and to work for your freedom of speech and of thoughts, it will completely make this fashion more relevant. But do, do, you, do you feel that that exploring alternatives to things like fashion shows over the last while, when you were making movies, for example, do you feel that that was actually bypassing the traditional news bringers, you know, bypassing the magazines and the journalists or whatever, the traditional way of doing things that you could totally control your message? Oh, yeah. Did you enjoy doing that? I mean, so could much. you? <laughs> <laughs> so much. <laughs> of course, I did enjoy yeah, it. As much as I love putting filters on my Instagram, I mean, th at that time, I didn't have filters, <laughs> at least to be who I want to be and express what I want to express, of course. Because again, they love to put you in a box, you know? Sometimes, you know, I have been, you know, that kind of like glam fashion designer, whatever, with expensive clothes. But I think, thanks to my messages of, my documentary with my social media, I could show something else, you know, but this is sometimes the beauty of, of just using different tooling, tools, you know, and platforms to, to just express who you are. And yes, it feels so, so good. But again, we need magazines, we need journalists, we need criticism.
we just need authenticity. Do you and need actual do you need actual physical fashion shows as well? Absolutely. <laughs> of course we need fashion shows because I don't I think we need you in our audience. We need um, real people to actually have the chance to see our work and the emotion as well of a moment. Of course, my biggest dream to have like would be like to do like 10 millions of people like watching my show in real. But this is of course impossible because I don't think my marketing team will have the budget maybe every season to give me like the Stade de France or whatever. But, um, but of course it's so important to do dream big. <laughs> yeah, Maybe, you know, one day I will do it. Who knows? Well, pe people have done that before though, haven't they? Uh, but to me, that just feels, I don't know. I'm, I saw some incredible movies that designers made in the last while. I, I, I saw them communicating in, in different ways, meaningful ways, where the essence of their creativity, if you want to call it that, the purity of it was really on display. Mm. And it, was, it, it wasn't just what they did, but it was how they did it and why they did it. And it was all this incredibly illuminating package. Now, you know, you don't actually get that in a physical fashion show. Maybe you need both. I know everybody wants to be, wants to go back to fashion shows, but I was really loving watching some of those movies, you know. We need both, Tim. I think you're right. I think, for example, my last show that I have done with the airport and using like yeah. the old yeah. airports uh, from, from Paris, I could not have done that if I had one audience because, of course, it will be like in a room. But I think you're right. We should do two, two things because... The reality is it's as important to have the journalist next to us, the stylist, and our celebrity can touch the clothes, feeling the beauty of the craftsmanship. But it's so important as well, the people that behind there, are behind their screen. So in a, let's say in an ideal world, it would be good to do two different shows. Whoever had the experience, the real experience, whoever will watch from their screen. And that's going to be two different experiences. But I'm sure the future will, will go for that. Because I really think we need to have that physical uh, fashion shows. It would be, yeah. Watching the fabric, you know? It, although you don't get to do, if you try to do that in a fashion show, the security comes and whacks you, you know, going like this. When I know, but at least you can see clothes, the fashion. <laughs> it's true. And sometimes you can see them better in a film. Um, I, I've always, you know, there's been this kind of debate in fashion all the time. Um, is fashion strongest when it lets you engage with something or when it lets you escape? You know, because the dream of fashion is this myth that people keep coming back to, that fashion makes you dream. Yeah. In other words, it helps you escape. But also what we've seen, I think, and what is, what is a very uh, reassuring development is that fashion makes you engage. And it seems to me that you... I mean, you made the you made the film at you made the film at the airport. That's escape in a way. But also, you're very driven by making your fashion engage with people, with issues, you know, with, with things that are serious in their lives. I never been put it in a box, Tim. So I think you can be both. You can be like really engaging. You can be dreaming. You can be dreamy. I think Bauman, it's it's, it's a dreamy house, and at the same time, it's an engaging house. But my airport, I'm sorry to say, it was not about just escape. It was as well really engaging because I wanted to say to many people that thought that maybe flying is so banal, you know, and oh my God, we still have another fashion week and we need to fly and we need to fly. I'm like, 
And now look, you cannot fly anymore. So you cannot even come to my fashion way, you know, to my fashion show. So, I mean, I think that was something really engaging as well on the sense that let's not blame and always, blame and always complain about, you know, the toughness of uh, you oh. know, the, the craziness yeah. of fashion, you know, because I mean, of course it's a crazy world and of course there is so much pressure, but we have the chance to work with beauty every day. I mean, our, um, how lucky we are, you know, so... I'm waking up in the morning, I'm not saving lives, you know, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a surgeon, you know, I'm someone that just create clothes and try to give to deliver a message with, as you mentioned, really dreamy, because this is part of my French values, which is about couture and laboratory, and not sometimes, of course, for everybody, but at the same time, there is that really engaging part of me, which is, guys, I do those clothes because I want to make sure that I can make you escape. But at the same time, there's a message, message behind it. Yeah. What does success mean for you now? What you've already achieved is fairly major. What does success mean for you now? Freedom. I think whatever success, whatever industry you work in, you know, I think you feel successful when you're not frustrated. And to not be frustrated, you just need to feel free. So whatever, you know, I have wings and I fly every day. I dream big big and sometimes you know i feel sky is the limit i cannot always you know make my dream happen and i've done so many in my life that i'm really proud already and i keep dreaming the moment that i cannot achieve my dreams for whatever reason to me is not success so the moment that i don't feel free is not success the moment i feel frustrated is not success so i mean until i feel free i feel free and i feel that i can achieve my dreams there where I feel I'm successful. Olivier, thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the BOF podcast for our look inside fashion and how it connects to currents in the wider world. If you're not yet a BOF professional member, join today with our 30-day risk-free trial and benefit from exclusive access to agenda-setting analysis you won't find anywhere else. The BOF podcast is edited and produced by Emma Clark, Kate Bartan, and Kevin Bobby Blanco in the BOF studio team. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.